Praise God. Again, good morning, everyone. And um, it's as the, the clock ticks on and springtime seems to evaporate and we get into the summer months and so forth and vacations will be coming upon us and so on and and I just encourage all of us that as we are on vacation and and are, uh, busy and things like that and from time to time it may require you to you know be away from church and so on and God certainly understands that we're all entitled to vacations and so forth God understands that but looking at the fast pace in which we live today and the way things just seem to rise up and come upon us from all different angles and whatnot uh, while we are on these vacations and even matter of fact when we're not on vacation while we are still actively working and going to church and everything we cannot be on vacation in our minds Okay, we can't be on vacation in our minds because in our minds, you've heard me say before, is where the battle really rages between good and evil, between God and Satan. You know, the mind is, is indeed where you get attacked. This is where the thoughts come in. This is where something that could be totally, totally innocent or non-threatening can be perceived by you as a threat because of the thought. So, you know, we talked about discernment and so on and, and, and having Holy Spirit minister to you. So today we want to talk a little bit about our thought life and how do we control it, you know. There was something that came up over the past week that uh, at, at face value was, was quite threatening to me, you know. And I don't mean life-threatening, life but it was troublesome, it was problematic. And everything that I entertained and, and so forth was, gee whiz, it was like doom and gloom. And here I am a preacher and I'm behind this pulpit every single Sunday. And I'm saying this to you because I am not, I, I am not exempt from those same, same threats, those same attacks. And so if it happens to me, then I know that it certainly happens to you. And Holy Spirit put on my, on my spirit today to talk about, or I should say yesterday in preparing the message, to talk about controlling your thoughts. All right? Because the very thing that was so, what I felt was threatening and trying to reason and praying my way through it, there's still an amount of anxiety that comes in your stomach and your thoughts as you're going to enter into the situation. And of course I bound up and prayed and everything and said, Lord, you give me the words to speak and so on like that. And then when I got there to, uh, to address the situation, and meeting with folks and everything um, it was not like I perceived at all it was not like I perceived you see you see so if it happens to me I know it happens to you and as I walked out of the meeting and in consultation with Holy Spirit he and I had a little chat and it was very very brief and he, I simply heard him say didn't I tell you not to worry and to give it to me you see so it's all in the head it's all in your thoughts so today I want to look at controlling our thoughts. Let's turn to Proverbs. Let's turn to Proverbs. Okay, Proverbs chapter 4. Fourth chapter of Proverbs. And as you're, as you're getting there, you know, <clears throat> the, the thing about it is that while we as Christians focus so much on being Christians and the whole idea for living a Christian life and for the Christian walk is for Christianity not to be a separate exercise for us. In other words, yes, we get up purposely on Sundays to go to church and we prepare for it, yeah. But during the rest of the week and 24-7, the things that we talk about in church, the things that you read in the Bible, the things that you pray about the Lord, pray to the Lord about, and the things that you discuss with the Holy Spirit, needs to really become ingrained in your everyday life. So that being a Christian is not a separate effort okay you you are a christian just as much as you are a, a human being just as much as you as male are male just as much as you are female you see so what we need to do in our lives is to get to a point that our christianity our faith in god becomes our second nature or i should say even becomes our first nature where everything that comes into your your life experience, you wind up automatically uh, getting into a, in, into a God mode, into a Holy Spirit mode, into a Jesus mode, and relating that experience to, to what would Jesus do. Remember that back in the 80s or whatever it was, WWDJ, I think it was, what would, WWJD, what would Jesus do? They even had bracelets, wrist bracelets and so on, you know. So everything that happens into our lives, we can't think of our Christian walk as being an add-on. We are Christians. 
happens, that's who we are. And every time an experience comes into your life, we have to shift into gear, okay? Because that experience, obviously, being that we are, 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 are three-dimensional human beings living in a physical environment, the first place that situation happens is in the mind. You become aware of it either through the eye gate or through the ear gate. Somehow, this situation comes to your attention. And right away, it's processed by your mind. All right, and, and once it gets into the mind, that's where it starts going through all sorts of analyses. What we need to do is to get to the place that when that thought comes into your mind, because that's where you hear that immediately, you get it down into your spirit. So that your spirit does the evaluation based on the word of God and not based on your intellect or your thought process, you see. Because if you let it, if you let it dwindle around and roll around up here in your mind, then all sorts of erroneous conclusions are drawn by you. All right? So we have to shift and get away from that and it takes practice it takes practice it takes practice but first let's lay the foundation um, Proverbs 4 and let's look at verse number 20 Okay, the previous verses up there are talking is fatherly advice and it's talking about wisdom and so on but in verse number 20 it says my son attend to my words or listen to my words incline your ear unto my sayings let them not depart from thee, from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. Please in the line. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Keep thy hearts with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Please in the line. Keep thy hearts with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee. Uh, from thee a crooked mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Okay? So put a bracket around 26 and 27. Ponder the path of thy feet. So think about where you're going and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right nor to the left. Remove thy, fit from, thy foot from evil. So first of all it says uh, in verse number 20 attend to these words, listen to these words, for these words in 22, for these words are life unto those that find them. So I'm saying to you today to attend to the words that we're going to hear today, listen to these words and get them deeply rooted in your spirit. Verse 23 keep your heart with all diligence now where it says heart if you can draw a line on your margin and write the word spirit Okay, meaning your spirit. So keep your spirit with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay? So it's very important that we keep our spirits in, in all diligence, with all diligence, in line with the word of God, because out of it come the issues of life. So what I'm saying to you today is based on these words where God is saying um, to, to attend to my words, to listen to the words that we are about to hear today so that we can dwell on them. You know, guarding our heart, the heart is the spirit, and everything in life proceeds from it. If we guard our spirits and our thoughts, it is easiest to rid our lives of sin and worry if we attack it at this fundamental thought level rather than waiting for it to become rooted in our lives by our actions and then going back and trying to pull it out. There is also a difference between being tempted or thought entering into the mind, okay? And, and in other words, you will get a thought that enters into your mind and uh, it can even be a, a sinful thought. But at that point, the sin is not committed if, unless you start dwelling on it. Amen? So we don't need to be dwelling on sinful or negative thoughts, which could lead us into sin. All right? The sin actually comes when you act on that thought. All right? So all of us can be hit and attacked with a sinful or a bad thought. The problem is, is that when you start dwelling on it and think about it, thinking about it, then you can wind up acting on it. And that's when the sin actually becomes, becomes real sin. Okay? So we need, and you need to replace that thought with another thought. If we have already already allowed a habit to form in our thought lives, it becomes more difficult to change the path of our thoughts, even as it is hard to get a car out of a deep rut onto a new track. So in other words, if we've established a bad habit and we've gotten in the habit of, of, of um, entertaining bad thoughts, then it's hard for us to change that direction and, and act differently, you know, and start replacing a bad thought with a new thought. Again, think about a car that's being stuck in mud. It's hard to get out of that rut until you can get off into some fresh ground. So, so, so be reminded that, that the, 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 the process or the habit of entertaining a bad thought 
or entertaining a negative thought takes some effort on your part, okay, to change the way you think. So that means that when that thought comes in that's challenging or negative, right away you've got to say, uh-oh, I'm not going to go the way that I normally go with this thing. And the way I normally go with this is sitting down, entertaining that thought, trying to rationalize it, trying to reason it through. Oh, boy, if I do that, then will this happen? If she says this, then I say this. No, you've got to stop. Okay, so the first thing for today is you got to say that when I get these negative thoughts or this negative input comes into my life, that I'm not going to go down the usual path, and that is right away to start worrying. Okay, and again, God is saying it to attend to these words. Let's go to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. Everything, you know, I, I, I can't overemphasize how important it is for us to understand Matthew 4 I can't overemphasize how important it is for us to get deeply rooted in our spirits that this life that we lead is, is secondarily the physical life that we go through every day Getting up and going to work, going to school, going about our day-to-day business in this physical world, that's really a secondary thing, so to speak. Our first existence, our primary existence, and everything that matters is in the spirit realm. Okay, And you've got to start really adjusting your thinking to believing and understanding that there is a spirit realm. Um, and this is, these are not my words. This is the word of God that says that. And if you're sitting here in church and if you're listening to this podcast on the Internet there, then that means that you must have some understanding of who and what God is. God is indeed a spirit. So everything that is important to, lot, to us in this life has its origins and has its foundation in the spirit realm. So the issues that come to us um, cannot be simply dealt with physically with our own understanding and intellectual thought. We've got to resort to, to the spiritual realities. All right. So uh, chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, underline, if thou be the Son of God, if you don't already have it underline, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Underline or bracket all of verse number four. So here Jesus was hit with a challenge. Okay, he said, if thou be the son of God. So right away, what did Satan do? What did Satan do was he put a thought in his mind. Okay, if you be the son of God. All right, now, if that had been many of us, now you know who you are in this life working on the job that you're in or in school or wherever you might be, you know who you are. But yet still, when a situation arises in your life, something negative to that existence about who you are, right away you start wondering, oh gee whiz, you know, am I going to be able to overcome whatever this thing is? So what Satan was doing doing here, he was trying to make Jesus doubt that he was the Son of God. Well, the devil does the same thing to you when he hits you with a situation or a problem where, where failure, you feel failure, is, is certainly um, one outcome. He starts saying, if, you're, if this happens... Or what if so-and-so does this? Or they already told you that this is not going to be the, be the path of where you're heading. You, they already said to you that you're going to fail. They already said to you, well, gee whiz, you know, what if you're not able to, blah, blah, blah. And right away you start entertaining doubt. You start entertaining. When, when the Satan said to him, if thou be the son of God, Jesus didn't sit back and say, oh, wow, yeah, wow, what about that? What if God the Father's really been pulling my leg? Gee, what, what, what if I'm not his son? Whoa, gee, can you imagine that? Oh gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And start pacing up and down the wilderness. Wow, what am I going to do? Gee, you know, it could be. It could be. Maybe I'm not the son of God. You know, I mean, I was in heaven and all of a sudden I'm in this body. Whoa, man, maybe Jesus didn't start entertaining that. Okay? But what do we do? What do we do? All right? We know who we are in Christ Jesus. But something comes up in your life or something comes up where something is not going to happen that you were expecting. You know? Or things didn't go your way. And the devil starts putting in your mind and saying, yeah, you're supposed to be a Christian? You're supposed to be a child of God? Then why is this happening to you, huh? Does God really care for you? How are you going to get out of this mess? 
God, do you see him standing next to you? Oh, he's going to help you? Oh boy, you're going into that meeting? Do you see him really there with you? You see? see. But yet still, and we, and we kind of sit and we kind of laugh and chuckle about that. But I tell you, you know, the instance that, that came upon me, not that I went through that exercise, but yet still in my own mind, I'm starting trying to figure, gee whiz, what if I say this and what if I say that? And I've been in ministry for many, many years. You see? But all it takes is a moment. All it takes is a moment. All right? And you're no different from me, I know different from you. So if I can be attacked that way, so can you be attacked. So the idea, though, is that when the devil says, if you be the son of God, or if you be a child of God, if you're so certain of this circumstance, if you think you have it under control, and then right away you start thinking negatively. All right? So what did Jesus do? He came back at him with the word of God. He says, but it is written... It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when these things come at you, you first of all, don't sit down and start thinking and, and, and cogitating and, 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 and planning and what am I going to say and what am I going to do. What is the reality of the word of God? What does God say about your particular situation? All right? If God says that you're going to succeed, then you're going to succeed. You see, we need to be in God's word so that when a sinful or worrisome thought enters our mind, a temptation, we will be able to recognize it for what it is and know what course of action to take. We can be tempted to be worried or or to be anxious, you see? So when the devil throws a worry at you, first of all, the first thing you say is that, wait a minute now, it is written, first of all, that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Wait a minute now, it is written that Jesus said to, to come unto him all who are heavy laden and burdened and he will give us rest. Wait a minute, Jesus said to take up Jesus' yoke, take up his yoke and his burden because his yokes and burden are easy and light. So you start thinking about the word of God, you see, because if you let yourself go down the path of worrying, you know, am I really the son of God? You know, just going back to this scripture, if you start going down that path and start worrying and pondering, then you wind up being like that car stuck in the mud. You're spinning your wheels, you're spinning your wheels and you're going nowhere and you're just digging yourself more and more deeply in. Jesus in the wilderness responded to each of Satan's temptations with scripture that applied to the direction he knew his mind should take instead of beginning down the path of sinful thought. When tempted to meet his physical need, turning stone into bread, he recited the passage about the importance of relying upon God. And then we go down to verse number 8. Okay? Go down to verse number 8. And he says, uh, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Please underline in verse number nine, if you will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil fleeth, uh, leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. All right? So we see here that uh, um, out of all the things that Satan really, really wishes is that he wants us to, to worship him. He wants us to worship him. All right. And you say, well, gee, was I would never worship Satan and, and entertain doing anything like that. Well, if you're winding up, if you're having doubt about what the word of God is saying to you, or if you're having doubt about who you are in the Lord, if you're having doubt about the ability of God to get you out of a situation, then that means that you're having some doubt. And in essence, if you're not careful, you wind up worshiping Satan because you're believing Satan's, um, Satan's uh, uh, a promise of failure, if you will. You're starting to believe that and you you're falling behind what he's saying you see so we do not want to get pulled away to the point that we are really really doubting doubting God and falling out falling into the hands of the enemy Um, a daily habit of being in order to do that though you have to know God's word quoting scripture in a time of temptation it's not a magic charm it's not a magic charm but it rather serves the purpose of getting our minds onto a biblical track but we need to know the word of God ahead of time in order to accomplish this Now, so it's nice for us to be able to quote scriptures when these things come up. But how are we going to be able to quote scriptures if we don't know what the word of God is? You see, and you have to know the word of God ahead of time, which means that you have to be in the word of God. No time will the devil come upon upon you or bring a situation into your life and say, and just to use the if you be the son of God, you know, uh, uh, example. No time will the devil say to you, okay. If you be the son of God, then the devil says, okay, I'll wait. 
figure that out. I'll wait. You find the scripture to come back at me. Okay, all right. If you be the son of God, okay, I'll give you time to think about it. How are you going to respond? When a situation comes into your life, you don't have time to sit down and think about what scripture is coming to me or what scripture should I use. At least many times you will not have the time. I mean, I mean now, I'm not saying that you have a situation in your life and you know that something is coming up tomorrow morning. Yes, then by all means you should pray and read the word of God and get spiritually prepared. But what I'm saying is that you need to have the word of God deep within your spirit so that in many times, like Jesus, you can come back instantaneously because you may not always have the time to get home and read the Bible and pray on the spot, you know, and find the right scripture. You need to get to the point that the word of God is in you and ready to, ready to, to, to pop up in a moment, in, in a moment, all right? Because there are many times, if the devil knows that you are very good when there's a problem or an issue in your life, if the devil knows that you are very good at going away and praying, and reading the word of God, and coming back with a scripture to counter him, if he knows you're good at doing that, he knows that takes time, he's going to bring situations into your life where you don't have the time to do that. All right? The devil doesn't want to give you time to go back and prepare. All right? the, the, the most effective thing in any kind of war, I mean a physical war between two opposing sides where you've got soldiers fighting each other, is the, is the element of surprise. You know? If the enemy finds out that I'm going to attack you know, uh, tomorrow morning, morning at 10 o'clock and he can prepare himself for that. He can get very prepared to come against and defend himself and perhaps defeat me. All right. So Satan, Satan knows that about you too. If he knows that if he gives you ample warning, you're going to run back and you're going to find some scripture to counter the attack that he's going to bring on to you. He's not that stupid. All right. So what he'll start doing is he'll start attacking you with, 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 with the element of surprise. So you need to be able at a moment's, in a moment's notice when he springs that attack on you to come back with that scripture. The sword of the Spirit, as we talked about in Bible study. Amen. To be able to bring that word at him and at the situation uh, 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 to defeat him. You see? And again, this goes back to the thought process. If we have to rely on our thought processes, our minds and whatnot, to get us out of a situation, we will not always have the luxury of time to, to, to think it through. Because, as a matter of fact, when you think it through, you may wind up coming to the wrong conclusions anyway. Amen. So you need to get to a spiritual condition where uh, when the enemy comes at you and attacks you, you can come back and hit him with the word of God the same way Jesus did. Quoting scripture in a time of temptation, again I say, it's not a magic charm. All right, but what it does, it serves the purpose of getting our minds onto a biblical track, but we need to know the word of God ahead, ahead of time. If we sit and use our minds to figure out a situation, it's going to get us into trouble. All right? Because the mind is indeed, it's your intellect. The mind is the, you talk about, you know, you know um, uh, body, soul, and spirit. You know, the mind, the mind is the seat of your soul. And that's where your personality is. That's where your emotions are. That's where your thought processes are. Amen? So when a problem comes into your life, if you, if you, if you, you start thinking about it, you're going to reason wrong. All right? This is what, what, what ancient Greece was all about. You know, philosophy. The seat of philosophy, you know, that's what they did. They had Socrates, Plato, and all of those, all of those uh, philosophers. That's what they did. They philosophized. They sat around and they reasoned and they thought. Okay, and as a result, they had a pantheon of gods. <laughs> all right, prolific number of gods were out there, you know. And they sat around and they reasoned. You know, when Jesus came upon them, they didn't, they didn't know him. Amen. Until the Apostle Paul and so on went and started ministering to those areas. You see, you see. So philosophizing and sitting back and intellectualizing is something that human beings do quite well, but it leads us to the wrong conclusions. Many times leads us to the wrong conclusions. We cannot make conclusions, draw conclusions, absent the Spirit of God and absent the Word of God. Amen. So therefore, knowing Scripture is very important. Thus, a daily habit of being in the Word, uh, being in the Word in a meaningful way, is essential. If we are are aware of a certain area of constant temptation, worry, lust, anger, etc., we need to study and memorize key verses that deal with those issues. Look 
looking for both what we are to avoid and how we are to properly respond to tempting thoughts and situations before they are upon us. It will go a long way to giving us victory over them. Alright, so studying and reading the Word of God in a meaningful way is essential. Now, what does that mean? That means then that we're going to read the Word of God more than just simply saying, okay, it's um, 7.30, I've had dinner, um, let's see, 8 o'clock comes the Price is Right, so i got a half an hour now to read before the Price is Right TV show starts, amen? So that's you sitting down and you're just reading through the Word of God to be reading the Word of God, but you're not reading it in a meaningful way. Reading the Word of God in a meaningful way is sitting down reading. If there's a verse or if there is a segment of a verse or if there is a word that does not resonate with you or does not make sense to you or you do not understand it, that you pause and you pray. Holy Spirit, I want to read verse number 5 again. What does that really mean? I don't understand it. What does it mean? All right. Holy Spirit may take you, may take you over to another verse, a related verse. Holy Spirit may direct you to a footnote that's within your Bible that might explain that verse. All right. So it's sitting down reading the, reading the Bible more than just reading the Bible, but as studying the Bible in, 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 in an important kind of way. Because this is how the Word of God gets down into your spirit. So that when something comes into your mind, you know how to react and you know how to, to deal with it. Uh, um, it's all about getting away from, what's the words I'm looking for? It's all about getting away from treating God as just a superficial thing, as a surface thing, as something that I do once a week on Sundays and maybe occasionally during the week. It means taking time during the week, taking set aside time. Don't get so caught up in your busy schedule. All of us are busy. All of us are busy. And it almost seems like in the later years, it seems like time is getting shorter and shorter. At one time I thought it was a function of age, but I see that as not because I hear younger people saying the same thing, that time is flying, that days are flying by. So something is going on. All right? So we all are busy. But I'm telling you, if you cannot take time for God, then you will be in deeper trouble. You'll be in deeper trouble because the devil knows that. All right? And the devil can send things your way. Send people your way. Send circumstances your way. I mean, how many times have we had people... It, 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 took, it took a long time. It took, took years. But people know better than to hit me on Sundays to do certain things. But how many times will something come up on a Sunday? Will someone will give you a call right before you're leaving for church? You know, oh, can you come help me with so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so? First place, you start wondering, why aren't you going to church? You know, why, why aren't you going to church? You know, but can you come help me because so-and-so? The devil will send people your way just to keep you out. You see? And I have seen over the years many, 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 many times, many times, because there was a time in my younger Christian walk, when the kids were growing up and things, things like that, that, are, um, that if I missed a particular service, and I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. I mean, that's one thing. And, and if you got scheduled vacation, I'm not saying God is not, not saying never ever take vacation. You can't get sick and go, you know, stay out of church. But I'm saying that on those Sundays that I just opted to stay out of church for whatever the reason was, after I talked to my friends that went to the church, there was a particular sermon that G was, I said, I wish I had been there. I wish I had been there to hear that, because that fit my situation, all right? So what you will find many times is that the devil will keep you out of church because he's got an inkling of what's going to go down in church, and that's what you need to hear. So if the devil can orchestrate your life or those around you to keep you out of church by bringing up something or going here or going there or whatever, or a dire need, you know, you know, Oh, gee, can you help me? My leg dropped off. <laughs> you know? I'll call an ambulance for you, and I'll pray for you on the way to church, you know? I mean, I mean you've got to put it into perspective, obviously. I'm not saying to be heartless and cruel. But what I'm just saying to you, though, is to just be aware of the fact that, that any way possible, the enemy wants to keep you away from getting into God's Word, from being there for a particular prayer service, an anointing service, where maybe Holy Spirit wants to minister to you personally, you know? You know and, and the devil has a way of keeping you out of that. Amen? Just when you need to be there to hear a particular service, all of a sudden you're not there. All right, so we need to make sure that we are always availing, us, availing ourselves uh, of the Word of God. Let's go to Matthew 26. <coughs> Matthew chapter 26. It's so important for us to, to really, when things happen in our lives, especially something that is negative, that right away we start thinking about what, what's the source of this. 
You know, I mean, things things happen randomly. You know, I mean, it's 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 called life. You know, but if we start seeing the same types of things happening over and over again, or if there is something that you are trying to achieve, something you're trying to accomplish, and there always seems to be an impediment, there's always something coming in that's hindering you from doing that, then you need to stop thinking it through and trying to figure out what is it that's going on with your mind. But it's time to start seeking Holy Spirit and asking the Lord, is there a pattern? Is there something else at work? Because this may be something that you need to solve at the spiritual level, you see. And the minute we can get away, and and that is so hard for humans to do, is to think that the source of our problems could be spiritual in nature because of the fact we don't see the spirit realm on a moment-by-moment basis. We see the physical world around us. We see those people that are around us. We see the people at work, the people in school, the people in the neighborhood, the people in the family, whoever it is that may be giving you a hard time. But we forget about the spiritual realities behind that. So many of the problems that come up in our lives, we forget to address it at the spiritual level. You see, we want to entertain it with our mind and try and rationalize and reason it through. And that's where we get, that's where we get into trouble, okay? Because our minds are fickle. Our minds without the guidance of your spirit will try to accomplish things on its own. Your mind will tell you, you are the best one to fix the problem. The mind will tell you, Jesus, you know the President of the United States, why not give him a call? He can fix your problem. No, don't do that. No, anyway. Okay, yeah. All right. No, you know. And, and, and this is what I'm trying to say. You will sit down and try and rationalize and reason out who is it that I can call uh, to fix it. So 26 verse number... 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And he said unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? The the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right? You have to live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, chiefly through seeking His strength through prayer. All right, what he's saying here is that, Jesus, you couldn't pray with me for one hour. Prayer was something at that time was very, very important. I mean, it always is. But Jesus had, had, had gone off to pray. And He kept coming back, and, and they were sleeping. And so He's saying this, the, spirit, the, the, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We, have, we can't be so tired that we can't spend time in prayer with God. All right? Prayer is when you get your instructions. All right? And prayer is, is, prayer is a two-way communication. One thing we need to learn is that praying to God is, and I know you can be lying in bed, you start off with prayer, and the next thing you know, the alarm clock's going off. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We've all been there, especially if you're super tired. So you need to make some time to pray. Because praying is a two-way thing. Praying is not just you talking to God. Prayer is not just you telling God, oh, here's my problem, and this is that, oh, Lord, can you get me out of this situation, or whatever. Or even it may be a positive prayer where you're asking God for some wisdom or some guidance and so on like that. But then you can't just go there and pray, and then after you've said your piece, get up off your knees and then go on. Okay, I'm done. Okay, Lord, I did my part, I'm done. All right? After you're praying to God, and this is something that you simply need to just do and start doing and see if what I'm saying is correct. Well, not if what I'm saying, what the Word of God is saying is correct. But after you've finished praying to God, you know, and and, and the first thing we should be doing is, is opening our prayers with thanksgiving to God. You know, Jesus' model for prayer, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus was not saying that we have to always say that prayer, but has the model for praying is that as you enter into the courts with praising God and so on. And then when you go through what you're asking for, whatever your conversation is with God, well, guess what? You know, if you're talking to me or if you're talking to the person sitting next to you, hopefully after you said whatever you said, you stop and you wait for a response. All right. Unless you're one of those kind of people that just talk incessantly and never listen to what anyone else is saying to you. Amen. So when you're praying to God, prayer is your communication time. So you pray to God and then you stop. And you stop. Don't get up off your knees or wherever it is that you're praying, however it is that you're praying. But after you finish saying your words, stop and listen. Stop and listen. And I promise you that you will hear something. 
you'll hear something. You'll hear very distinctly what Holy Spirit is telling you to do. You'll hear distinctly, you know. And if you're not sure, then ask the question again. You see, I mean, you've got to get to the point that you really believe that God is someone that you can communicate as surely as you can communicate with the person sitting next to you. See, but many times we feel that God is so far off and he's this super, super being up there in the universe someplace, you know, and, and he's just out of touch with us. Well, that is not so at all. You can communicate with God. You can. And it's simply a matter of you praying to him and then, and then listening for what it is that he's going to say to you back. You see? And that's where, that's where your direction comes from. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. We're talking about here how to, to get your problem or whatever it is that is going on, in, going on in your life that is giving you a hard time. How to get it out of the control of your thoughts. How to get it out of your thoughts Because your thought is Entertaining it Or trying to solve the problem Through your thoughts Is just going to bring on more issues Proverbs 28 28 verse number 26 Proverbs 28 Verse number 26 Proverbs 28 Verse number 26. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walks wisely, he shall be delivered. Alright, so underline, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. If you think that you can solve your problem all by yourself, then you're a fool. Okay? If, if, you're, if, you're, you're, if you're not thinking about, gee whiz, I've got this issue in my life, I can't solve it myself. Let me go to the Lord. Let me seek Him. Okay? And I'll tell you, there have been times where I thought I had a solution to a problem. And I'll stop and I'll say, huh, that was too easy. (laughs) I came up with that solution too quick. You know, let me double check this now. Is this me or is this the Lord? All right? If anything in your life that's coming up is important, you won't be so quick to say, okay, I found the solution. You need to seek God's face. You need to seek Holy Spirit. You need to make sure that you're thinking what the answer is, is the right answer. Because many times the answer that we devise or we come up with to be the answer, it fits our need. Because we feel it's expedient for us. It's a good thing for us. But it might not be a good thing for us. All right? So if a solution comes to me about something that is really important too quickly, I challenge it by asking the Lord, is this what, this is what, I, is this what I'm hearing? Is this is what I really should do? Because that came a little too quickly. You see? And I don't, want to, I don't want to do the things that I want to do or that makes me feel good or that makes it easy for me. I want to make sure that this is what God wants me to do. Okay? I want to make sure this is what God wants me to do. Because many times the things that we decide to do or course of action that we may want to take is easy for us because it's a shortcut. Okay? Because it seems to make sense. Alright? But see, but in taking that shortcut or doing what God or what we think we should do, we don't know what the future holds out. We don't know what the future holds, all right? And I'm telling you, there have been so many times, especially in, in house hunting, oh my gosh, especially in house, house hunting, are we so thankful that we did not do what we thought would have been the right solution in terms of even buying a house. Amen? Even in terms of buying a house, all right? So we said, no, something just doesn't feel right, and I'm not hearing the Lord saying yes with that. You know, first of all, you wind up with a better place. The house that the Lord does show you is a better place. It's much nicer than what you wanted in the first place. But then you found out the place that you wanted to go would have been a hellhole for you. There's all sorts of things that were unseen, okay, that you didn't know about, okay. And I didn't find out about those things until later on, you see. So sometimes the Lord will show you where a decision, that, an action that you didn't take and you followed him. Many times the Lord will show you, you see, this is why that particular house didn't work for you. This is why you didn't get that job. This is why, this is why, this is why. Many times Holy Spirit will give you that after the fact. And what that does is it bolsters the fact that you are indeed doing what God wants you to do and how God is always there. God is always there in your life guiding you, you see. So you've got to be very careful about what seems appealing to you may not be the best thing. Because we don't know the future. We can't see the other side of that wall. We can't see the fact that there's a leaking pipe up there in the ceiling that the previous owners have done a very good job in masking and masking and hiding. You know, you know I mean, you just don't know the things that you don't know, you see. And that's the problem. We don't know what we don't know. 
if I knew what I didn't know, then I could learn about it. You know, I, I don't speak Greek. I know that. So if I wanted to learn Greek, I would do something about it. But I don't know the things that I don't know. But God does. God does. So we have to get into the point here. That, that don't trust in your own self. You know, don't trust in a decision that you make because it might not be the decision that God wants you to have, wants you, wants you to take. Um, Proverbs, um, Proverbs 4.23 said to guard our hearts. Let's go to Romans 13. Romans 13. Romans 13. See, and the hardest thing for us human beings, too, to do is to, um, Romans 13, uh, 14. The hardest thing to do for us is, uh, as human beings is to remember the fact that there is a God out there and someone, someone that uh, knows more than we do and someone that we can talk to is because we don't see God on a day-to-day basis. We will run to our Aunt Tilly before we will run to God. There I go with my Aunt Tilly. Let me get a different aunt to refer to around here. What was Aunt Tilly? All right, but, but we will run to someone that we know before we run to God. You see, and that's what gets us into trouble. Because they don't know any more than you know. You know? Okay, verse, uh, what did I say? Romans 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Okay? But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. In other words, put on Jesus. Let, think about Jesus. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus react to this? Rather than making a room for the flesh or, or decisions made by your mind. Amen? Because, because provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts is that your mind is all, again, again, kind of what I was just saying. Your mind is always going to go after what, is, what it is that you want. What it is that you want. Amen. I mean, someone could, you're always talking about that red sports car and all that sort of thing, jokingly. Um, if someone wanted to give me one, I'd take it probably, most likely. <laughs> but I'm not, yeah, right, you know, I'll, I'll take it, take it, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to go actively pursuing it, at least not right now anyway, you know. You know. But just because, you know, I, I always talk about that red, little red sports car convertible. That could be something that would be a lust of mine, something that I'm really wanting, really wanting, and that might not be the best thing for me. You know, God would, God knows that, well, you know, at your point in time, you don't need a red sports car. You don't need to be out there on the highway doing 90 miles an hour or something like that, something to get yourself in, get yourself into trouble. You know, he'd probably say, yeah, if I gave him a sports car, you know where he'd be? You know, he'd be in Salem Hospital or something, you know. So, so, so God knows what's best for you, you know. So what this is saying is put on Jesus Christ, put the Lord first, and don't give in to what those lusts are, the things that you want very badly. And again, getting back to controlling the mind. The things that come into your mind, the challenges or whatever those situations are, if you think about them on your own, it's going to go towards what you want. You know, you don't know how many times I've seen, you know, sisters, uh, sisters in church that used to say, and I'm not talking about here, so don't anyone get bent out of shape, talking about way back in New York years ago, but uh, where they would swear that the Lord gave them Joe Jones over there. Oh, Joe Jones is the man for me. I know it. I had it in a dream. I had it in a dream that Joe Jones is the guy. The Lord's going to give me him to marry. You know? So on like that. You know, and guess what? The guy was already married. Already married with a family. So I'm quite sure the Lord didn't say that. You see? But this is where her mind... And, and her thoughts and other, other things were just going and gravitating towards this particular individual. It's because we want what we want. You see, so you can't rely on your thoughts to properly or correctly guide you. So when that challenge or whatever that thing comes into your mind, into your mind we've got to get into the God mode. We've got to get into the Christianity parts of us here, which should be all of us, and saying, how should I handle this, Lord? You know, this seems really, really appealing. This job seems really, really good. This house seems really, really good. You know? Or even, this individual seems really, really good. Okay? Alright? Alright? But, but how do we know? How do we know? Remember we read those scriptures that said, Who knows the spirit of a man? Who knows the spirit of God but God? Well, so it is with us. Who knows the real us better than us? Amen? So you could be, and even if you don't say lusting, but if you could be caring for someone else that you're seeking after, but you don't know. Amen. You, you don't know. 
this might not be the right person for you. You know, and I say, I've said this a couple of times before, and I say that especially to young folks today, because it's not like when I was coming up dating, those were a lot safer times. A lot safer. I see some of my contemporaries here nodding up and down, <laughs> nodding and so on. Those were a lot safer times for dating. It's a lot more dangerous, a lot more deceptions, a lot other other things out there besides that. Not to mention disease and God knows what else. And you don't know what kind of crazy you're connecting yourself up with. Amen. So the way a person seems on the surface, you know, you you better use you better use Holy Spirit. To guide you before you go making a connection and deciding that this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with. You need to think that through. Uh, pray it through, I should say. Really, don't think it through, you know, because that's contrary to what we're saying here today. But you need to give it to the Lord here and, and ask for some guidance. Amen? Amen? So it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, uh, provision for the flesh. Thus, we are to avoid, also, we are to avoid periodicals, videos, websites, conversations, and situations that will set us up for a fall. We should also avoid spending time with those who would encourage us, us to go down the wrong paths. We are to pursue hard after God, substituting godly pursuits and mindsets for sinful or worrisome thoughts. This is the principle, this is the principle of replacement, you see. So you've got to be very careful about whom you associate with and anyone that's going to take you down a path that's away from God. Alright? That's away from God. You know? And I, I knew a young woman, woman again, you know, and this was no teenager pursuing a guy, you know. And this guy obviously was, was I mean, he was attending the church, but it was only for one reason, okay? It was only for one reason. The devil, the devil can come into a church, all right? It's our jobs and the pastor's job to spot that in operation, all right? But he was, oh boy, he was saying, all the, he was saying everything that was counter to uh, being a, a Christian, Everybody wondered, well, how could she want to be pursuing this guy? I mean, he, he openly talks, you know, he, he was mocking, mocking her, mocking religion, mocking God. But yet still, though, she was hook, line, and sinker for this guy, you, you know? And, 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 and the thing about it is that we could see it and wondered why she couldn't see it, you see? Because most likely, there was something in her that she just thought this was the guy for her. You know, and, and her mind, instead of getting it down to the spirit, you know, I mean, if, if, if I was out there dating, you know, and, and everything, and someone came to me that all of a sudden I felt all gaga over, boy, in a heartbeat, I'd be praying, okay, Lord, you know, is this who you want for me? Give me a sign. Give me a sign. You know, and if she was starting to say things that were out of line with the word of God, or mocking God, or mocking me for loving God, then she'd be gone in a heartbeat, you see? But many times we forget about that. Because the mind, the mind, the mind, again, don't forget the mind, your soul, is the seat of your what? The seat of your emotions. The seat of your emotions. So your mind will guide you, guide you, guide you. Oh, he doesn't mean that. She doesn't mean that. You know, as a matter of fact, memory serves me correct. I remember her saying that God sent him her way for her to save. Yeah, God sent him my way for me to save. Now, how crazy is, is well, God can do anything he, he chooses, but it was obvious as time went by that uh, this was not happening and that was not the case at all. You know, but yesterday though, she wasn't really praying about it. She wasn't really praying about it. She wasn't hearing what Holy Spirit was hearing, was, was trying to say to her. I'm, I'm, now it wasn't only myself, many others in the ministry observed the same thing. So I'm just saying that, all that to say is that your emotions, your emotions, your emotions will always guide you to what is pleasing to you. Okay? What is pleasing to you? So this is why you got to get from entertaining the thoughts and, and, and letting those thoughts control you. You need to control them. So let's go to Matthew 5. Just a few more scriptures here and we'll be done. Matthew 5. Praise the living God. The funny thing about it is that if you get with some people that are really gifted in speaking... They can make you think that the sky is green, you know, and it'll be logical to you why they're saying that it's green, okay? But then again, I'd say that then again, that's where the logical thing plays in, logic. All right, the things of God is not based on manly uh, logic. Okay, Matthew five forty-three. You have heard that it has been said. 
Thou shalt love thy, 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 thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them, for if you love them who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors the same? Alright, let's read that again. For if you love them who love you, what reward have, have you? Do not even the tax collectors the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the heathen do so? So if the only ones that you greet are your brethren or your fellow Christians, you know, then what do you more than others? All right, do not even the heathen do so. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. And this is just talking about uh, Christian maturity, because we certainly are not, not, not uh, perfect. When tempted to hate someone, we replace those hateful thoughts with godly actions. We do good to them, speak well of them, and pray for them. Okay? So if we, if, if we are only do good things to those who, who do good to us then what good are we you know I mean Jesus certainly didn't um, love us and go to the cross for us because we loved him back you know Jesus did, Jesus did everything that he did unconditionally he did it because love was the way it should be you see so again and this is another place where our thoughts um, controlling us can get us into trouble because of the fact that maybe there's someone God wants you to talk to or God wants you to speak to and right away you start saying, well, gee whiz, he or she did this to me. He or she talks about me every time I see her, you know, or see him. You know, I had on my favorite green dress and boy, and she just laughed at it or looked at it, you know, or, or he gives me a hard time because I missed that field goal or whatever and you hate and you hate and you hate and you hate. You know, what good is to only love those people that, that love you? Amen. So that's another thing where our thoughts can, can cloud our judgment. Because many times we will not do something because of how we feel about the other person. You see? So when that comes up, there's an opportunity there for you to not do something because you dislike someone because of something you perceive that they did to you. We have to get back to what the Word of God says we should do, and that is to love them and to do for them the same way regardless of what they did to you. You see? Now for us human beings, that is such... That is such a, uh, to, to many human beings, that is such an outrageous thought. Because many will say, well, why should I treat him that way? Why should I do that? You know what he did to me? You know what she did to me? I mean, you know, on top of that, I did so-and-so for them, and what, how was I paid back? I was paid back by so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, that's not why we do things, you know. We do things because it's the right thing to do. You know, it's the right thing to do. You don't stand back and you wait to, and, and judge, or, oh, gee, how did they treat me, or what did they say to me? I mean, if that was the case, there may be someone on the street that you need to help, and that person hasn't had an opportunity to do anything for you, but because of the fact that the Word of God says that there are certain things that we should do as Christians, you go on and do it anyway. You don't stand back and just wait, well, gee whiz, what did they do for me? Amen? Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Okay, Ephesians 4, and verse number 20. A couple of more scriptures, and then we're, we're done for now. 4, verse number 20. Matter of fact, to get it into context, let's go to verse 17. 4, 17. This I, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. All right? So we don't behave the way, the way non-believers would, be, would behave. In other words, in the vanity of their mind, thinking that, that um, they have the ability to solve problems themselves. Verse 18, having the, understanding, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. All right? So in other words, they walk, they walk thinking in the vanity of their mind means that they, they have all of the solutions and all of the answers. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated, alienated in these scriptures is talking about spiritually dead from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. 
right, if, if, if you're someone that is thinking that through, the, through your own vanity that you can solve your problems, all right, and it's vanity to think that, that you can solve, solve all of your problems, then you become alienated from the life of God. Because that means then you think that you know more than God. So therefore you become spiritually dead. Meaning that you become separated from the, from the life of God. Uh, or the word of God. Through the ignorance that is in them. And these people are like that because they're ignorant. Because of the blindness of their heart. And they're ignorant because their hearts are blind. We as children of God, we are not ignorant because our hearts are not blind. Our hearts at least should not be blinded because we understand what the word of God is saying. And that we are connected to God. We're not alienated from him. Okay, verse 19 who being past feeling, these people, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and renewed in the spirit of your mind. Please underline renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his brother, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Alright, so just pausing right there, but going up, back up to 22 there. Uh, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Amen. So that means that you shift and you change your way of thinking. You put off that old way of thinking, where everything that you did was governed by yourself. It was governed by yourself. You put off that old mind, and then it says by renewing of your mind. So that means that you really do, you need to have your mind renewed so that you can, you can uh, think differently. So that you can react to situations in your life differently. React in a situation, with situations in your life in a way that is God-driven, God uh, as opposed to just you trying to figure it out for yourself. And then Matthew 12, 43 and 45, last scripture. Matthew 12. 43 to 45. Okay, talking about controlling your mind. When the unclean spirit, verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, I will return into my house from which I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. All right? So in other words there, you know, merely putting off sinful thoughts without replacing those thoughts with godly ones leaves an empty field for Satan to come along and plant more thoughts of worry or anxiety. Okay? So in other words there, if you've got something going on in your life and you rebuke it and bind it and sweep that thought out of your mind, you've got to replace it with a thought concerning God, concerning Holy Spirit. Because in other words, other words, you know, your mind is left open and left blank. And if your mind is left open and blank and you're not filling that with some godly words, with some Holy Spirit words, and you're leaving it open, which opens the door then for you to be, for you to be more, more oppressed in your thought life, you see. So the minute that you get whatever that thought, you say, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to worry about that meeting. I'm not going to worry about what she said. I'm not worried about what to proceed or how to do. You need to fill that with thoughts about God. You need to recite some scriptures of a positive nature to fill the void, because otherwise... Just like it says here, once the house is swept clean, you know, then it looks more inviting for other more evil to come in, you know. And this is how we wind up getting caught up on that cycle, where one thought just leads to another thought, leads to another thought, and next thing you know, you're pulling your hair out because you really can't cope. You can't figure out what it is that I should do. And then you wind up feeling physically nervous, your heart rate increases and so on, and your anxiety simply increases. So last and most important, 
These methods will be of no value unless we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior from the sin of every worry and doubt. Without faith in Jesus and the work he has done, then all is for nothing. All right? So if you do not have faith that Jesus can deliver you for whatever situation that, that you might be facing or whatever's come upon you, then everything we've talked about here is just it's a moot point. Amen. You've got to have faith and you've got to know that whatever situation has come upon you, that you can be delivered from it. Amen. But the first thing, first and foremost, though, is when that thought enters into your mind, when that thought comes into your mind, that you check it. You check it and you say, I'm not going to try and solve this thing with my own thinking. I need to get into the Word of God. I need to pray. I need to ask for Holy Spirit guidance. I need to seek the face of God and ask Him where I should go. And I'm not going to sit here and start meditating and thinking about how I can solve it. Because every time you meditate and think on how I can solve it, you will wind up going to a place that's going to just drag you down, 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 and down. Because you don't know the answers, you know. Or if you start jumping up and you think, oh, I know how to solve this problem. I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell him off. I'm going to say this. That's not what God want you to do. You see, so that'll wind up even getting yourself into more trouble. Amen? Amen? Controlling our thoughts, thinking about our thoughts through, uh, 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 through spiritual means is the only way to solve the problem. Amen? So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you and now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings. <laughs>